Toyota of Iowa City has been owned and directly managed by the Drusicki family since 1981. What makes Toyota of Iowa City unique is their long-standing reputation for customer satisfaction in both sales and service, transparency, and supporting our community, including the Englert Theater. Please visit their website at toyotaiowacity.com to make service appointments, review inventory, or check out current factory incentives, or find them on Highway 1 West. Welcome to the introductory episode of Best Show Ever, a podcast presented by The Inglert. My name is Ellie and I will be your host. Throughout this series, we'll be discussing Iowa City's greatest live entertainment events with the people who were there, along with local art news and artist updates. To shine a light on the Black Lives Matter movement gaining long overdue visibility following the death of George Floyd, our introductory episode will take a slightly different path. Today, we'll be chatting about art and activism with a community member well-versed in both. Monique Alping coordinates the Summer Health Professions Education Program at the University of Iowa, which is a pipeline program for underrepresented students in the health sciences. She's on the University of Iowa African American Council. She's the former chair of the Iowa City Police Review Board, and she currently serves on the board of directors for the Emma Goldman Clinic. Monique, thank you for joining us. Okay, so my first question is kind of a big one. Given all of the areas where you sort of specialize, which is in health and activism for the Black community and reproductive rights for women, there's there's been a lot going on sort of in our world with between coronavirus and between um, police brutality getting a lot of attention across the globe. My first question is like, how are you doing with all this going on, with all of your world sort of just like getting all this crazy stuff thrown? It's sometimes it's a, a tough balancing act. Like, you know, you're trying to just do your main like day job. And right now there's a, a big challenge of like, trying to transform the summer health professions education program from like an 80 student in person, you know, at the dorm experience to just like um, changing everything to a virtual experience. And so I've had to learn a lot of tech during that process. And there's just been a lot of like my personal, like mental bandwidth kind of going into that. And then it's like, Oh yeah. So like, you know, global pandemic and then, you know, everything happening with um, George Floyd and, and nationally, internationally with uh, police brutality. Um, so it's just kind of, there have been some sleepless nights. So I'll definitely say that. Um, but it's just kind of, uh, I don't know, just kind of putting one foot in front of the other and trying to like see what you can do today. That's like tangible. Um, because altogether the big picture is very overwhelming, but just kind of seeing like, what can I do today? What, what can I do locally? Um, just trying to like wrap my head around some of that, but yeah, it's challenging. And then I have friends who are, you know, allies, whether those are white allies or, or non-black, you know, people of color kind of asking the things that they can do. And sometimes it's like, you know, you're trying to find the answers yourself, but, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Is there, do you ha- have any purposeful steps that you take to avoid getting burnt out emotionally when things like this are going on? Or is it something, like you said, you just have to do day by day? 
Um, there's, there's a little bit that's day by day. Like I'm trying to go for a walk when I can, like in the evenings, it's kind of my life, especially because I've largely been working from home. So it's kind of a line of demarcation between like my work day and like my home life. Like, so mm, I might like yeah. just take an evening walk. I only take out my phone to like take pictures of like flowers or something I see, but I try not to like engage with it. Um, and then my husband and I try to go on like a Sunday evening drive. Um, maybe a hike involved. So just kind of things like that have been helpful. Totally. So shifting gears a bit, what do you enjoy about your work with the Pet program? Um, it just, there are so many amazing young people. Like I know sometimes people talk about Gen Z and they can get a bad rap, but like, oh my goodness, reading through all the applications of these students and thinking about what I was doing when I was 18, 19 or, you know, their age, it was just like, it just blows me away. Like the amount of tenacity and talent that these young people have and like the privilege to get to work with them and seeing them on their journeys. And um, now that I've gotten to work with one full cohort, just kind of seeing like what they're doing next and all the exciting things that, um, kind of lay before them that's that's just really an honor for me what does the program do exactly for underrepresented students in health sciences um so it's a lot of it's kind of um exposure to different healthcare professionals in their fields um sometimes like we'll have different panels of um professionals that sometimes they don't even know all the opportunities that exist so when they hear about different people's roles like we'll have um dr kanya ferguson who's in um, our ethnic dermatology uh, clinic. So, uh, and she actually did the program herself, um, but at a different school. Um, so to have them get that exposure to those professionals and see and hear a little bit about what they do, um, they get to take a basic science course while they're here. So either um, organic chemistry, anatomy and physiology or physics. So um, just to kind of get that exposure. So when they have to take that at their institution, they'll have some foundational background in that. Um, and then it can be kind of like a health science finishing school in a way, too, because they're learning things like how to correctly format an email when they're wanting to, you know, do some networking and mm. connect to people and reach out about shadowing opportunities. So just kind of how to how to present themselves like these you know, elevator pitches, just kind of how to navigate some of those uh, systems. Sounds very cool. OK, so how did you find yourself? becoming the chair of the ICPD uh, Police Review Board. And can you explain what that is a little bit as well? Sure. Um, so the um, Iowa City Community Police Review Board um, is actually the only um, such review board in the state. So, um, but actually I got involved in it after um, Philando Castile and Alton Sterling in 2016. Like I was just, it was just kind of a, like a critical mass for me in terms of like all of the stories that we were hearing and then just trying to figure out ways to become more involved other than like, you know, posting something about it or, you know, yeah. kind of that sort of thing. Um, and then um, our late um, Johnson County Board of Supervisors member, Kurt Freeze, I remember he was kind of reaching out to people um, in the community and asking them, you know, if they wanted to meet and discuss some of these things. And so I met with him and some other community members at the mill one day and we were talking about like the campaign zero um campaign and um some of the ways people can get involved and i knew at the time Royce Ann porter's term for um for that board was expiring too and so there was a vacancy um and so i submitted my application to the city council and yeah then i've been there for four years and i actually just had my last meeting this past tuesday 
Nice. So the what what exactly does the review board do? So what actions were you able yeah. to take when you once you joined? So on the board, um, what will happen is uh, once someone submits a um, an incident to um, to the or once they submit a complaint, um, then that goes to the chief. The chief um, completes their investigation, and then um, or the chief issues a report. And so what the board does is we look at the chief's report, but then we also look at any body cam footage, any audio recordings, anything like that. And then we kind of determine um, based on the complaint that was filed, like what um, allegations can be sustained or what can be not sustained. And then we submit our, our recommendation. And so um, it's five members on the board and it takes three to have a, a quorum or to, to sustain or not sustain something. And so we're able mm -hmm. to submit those recommendations. And then we also review different um, uh, like policies and we can make suggestions on some of those uh, policies. And then but ultimately, we don't have like the final say so in these things, too. So that's kind of where some of the challenges have been emerging in terms of um, who can, has the final say of like whether or not things are implemented or how they're implemented. So I know that city council and the board are going to be working more closely together to see what that might look like going forward. Yeah. So it was it's more just like you were able to give suggestions and and you were able to review what was going on, but you couldn't demand anything to happen. Yeah, we couldn't exactly demand. And then, um, but also the good thing about our board is everything that um, our, our recommendations are all kind of, um, they're available to the public. So if you go mm -hmm. to Community Police Review Board, um, City by City, you can see, you know, our reports, you can see the annual reports of how many um, complaints were filed, you know, what some of those decisions were. Um, and so that's something that I don't think not enough people know about to utilize yeah. to kind of see what's happening and then um but not enough people know about the board to submit those complaints in the first place too so i'm hoping that this visibility um, lets people know that this is something available to them as citizens absolutely um did you see any sort of from the time where you became chair of the board were you able to see some change be enacted uh, progressively or just without getting that follow-up, were you not able to really tell what was changing? Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess overall it was kind of hard to get a big picture of, um, I mean, you see the annual reports, you can see like, you know, you contrast one year versus the next and kind of see what, you know, what might emerge in terms of how many complaints and things like that. But um, yeah, in terms of like, like big pol policy changes during my term, um, not necessarily, but we, we have worked with um, city council to have like, now we have a liaison between the council and, and the board. So currently that's Janice Weiner. So being able to have more, more of that access, um, uh, knowing that Ms. Ahir Sali, she was also a former um, community police review board member and she's on the council. So having those relationships, I think is uh, beneficial right now too. Sure. What, what were some of the recommendations that you would make on the board? Um, so uh, Orville Townsend, who's the vice chair, now now interim chair, um, mm -hmm. we presented to city council. We, we attended a meeting and kind of talked about um, some of that transparency and some of the things that we, we wanted to see. Um, and, then, um, and then that's when we advocated for having that liaison too. So that was um, within the past year that we 
we presented and worked on that. So do you foresee now that this movement is going on and there's protests in Iowa City and there's, you know, many new demands for change um, among the protesters and those who are leading the protests? Um, do you foresee some of the changes that are being demanded happening? Or do you um, think status quo will overlap? Well, I, I'm hoping that just kind of at this critical juncture, um, now that, you know, you have university leadership who's also saying that they're committed to to working with the council and the board, you know, with um, like President Harrell, Provost Fuentes, you know, you have some of those leadership um, members saying that they want to, you know, see changes too. Um, you have Mayor Teague, um, you know, saying that he wants to see changes. So hopefully with those, you know, major figures within our community saying that they these are things that they want to see or that they want to that they're amenable to working with us and to working with, um, you know, the Iowa City activists. Um, I think that that momentum can be harnessed. And so I'm hoping that that is, that is done. Yeah. Momentum inertia feels like a, a huge thing right now. And it's like yeah. a big wave to ride, you know, it's kind of, it's unfortunate that it has to come to, you know, needing that, like fire and fury for these changes to really happen. Yeah, it's kind of this surreal point too, though, where it's like hoping that things really do change, trying trying to have that optimism, but then thinking about all the things that have happened since, you know, 2012, 13, you know, from, from Trayvon Martin till now, um, yeah. Mike Brown, um, hoping that this moment will be, you know, critical and will kind of um, move the needle, but with all the past history too, kind of wondering what exactly about this moment will be different, what will catalyze mm -hmm. people the most. Um, I, I've heard people say too, that with like, you know, the pandemic, everything being shut down, like there's like a new attention to it because there aren't as many distractions. There aren't as many things that are occupying our time. So maybe that is part of, you know, the impetus, but, but we'll mm -hmm. kind of see. That's kind of a question that I feel like my <clears throat> friends and I have been asking ourselves a lot is what what is different about right now or what could be happening that makes this one different, you know, this movement finally yeah, getting it's certainly yeah. not the first to be recorded on film, you know. So it's yeah, it's not even the technology, it's not I don't know what what is what has resonated with people the most, but I'm glad it has. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered, it's been mentioned, you know, is it that people do have more time to like really give their focus and energy to this movement that requires a little bit of focus and energy? And yeah, it's really been interesting and incredible to see. And I don't, I can imagine that it's like half like reliving the traumas of, you know, everything that's happened in the past with police brutality, but half like being hopeful for the future, kind of like yeah. a and, balance. And I, yeah, and I think also just kind of with um, seeing what's happened with with even the um, COVID-19 numbers, the way that things have disproportionately affected, um, you know, yeah. predominantly black communities and seeing um, that angle of it. And so I think people are also frustrated in that regard. You know, there's recommendations, oh, just to stay at home and, and wash your hands but you know if there are people in Flint who still probably don't have you know clean water or if there are people who 
you know, I've seen pictures of people in New York on the subways when it, when it was kind of at its mass in, in New York. And they are the essential workers. They do have to ride that transit where they can't socially distance. And so seeing some of the privilege that's also wrapped up in, in how, how we were able to maneuver through this pandemic, I think that's also fresh on people's minds. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's obviously not done either. So, so just as that continues, um, and, and then with like economic unrest of like the high unemployment, um, you know, people are losing their businesses. I think there's just a lot of frustrations that are wrapped up in this moment too. Yeah, absolutely. Does it, does this moment to you like instinctively in your soul, does it feel like it's going to be different? Like not only in, um, you know, policing, but in will will the health healthcare side of it? Do you think get more attention? Like, does this does it feel like it's really happening to you? Do you feel like change is really going to happen? Um, I I like to I like to think so. Like, there's there's yeah. part of me that has the optimism that thinks that like maybe with all this attention, like we can kind of start shifting some of the conversations. Um, like maybe instead of like solely talking about things like, you know, implicit bias, we can start talking about the systems a little bit more, the systemic um, racism and disparities that exist, um, social determinants of health. So hoping that people can really see those in a tangible way that have been kind of laid bare in front of them. Um, So yeah, hoping that that more attention will be drawn on that in a more tangible way. How do you think we all can be better advocates and allies for the black community right now? And what we're going through. Um, I think it starts with a lot of like personal check-ins. Like I know one thing, or check-ins with ourselves rather. Um, like one thing that we do with the Emma Goldman Clinic is we have these. Um, it's kind of like a, a values assessment. We talk about like, um, do you have friends of this background or that background? But then they break it down further and talk about like, when's the last time you had dinner with someone from this background or. When's the last time you had someone in your home or they came to your home? So people who think like, oh, I, but I, I have black friends, I have this, I have that. But really getting to assess what those relationships are. Is that someone you just see at work by the water cooler, by the, you know, uh, at coffee? Or is it someone that you actually like engage with and have like a real relationship with? Um, so people kind of like thinking about their relationships a little bit more uh, fundamentally. Um, but then also... Um, where the arts come in, where the arts have a great role is thinking about like, um, what are the last like five books I've read or the last five movies whose who's narrative is centered? Like, what am I engaging with? Who am I seeing on the screen? And I think that's especially vital for people who are, are parents locally too. Like what images are their, their children seeing in terms of representation? Um, and for, for the black community, how are they seeing themselves? How are, how are the children um, getting exposed to certain things? Like, whether that's in the Iowa City Community School District, um, you know, what programming exists, like how, how, are, how are the children locally uh, learning how to navigate this right now too? Um, but then when it comes to institutions, I mean, people checking in professionally, like what their place of business could be doing, who's patronizing their, their places of business, like who might feel welcome there, who might not, like what the way the industry is doing. So kind of like, being real with each other, like asking that, like maybe in, in work meetings, like people having to, to get a little bit uncomfortable. So, yeah. So on, on a personal level, on the community level, on a professional level, I think there's a lot of check-ins that need to be done. 
Yeah, actually checking, like checking yourself, checking. That, yeah. that makes sense to me. Um, I've seen a lot of, you know, like tweets and things of that nature, because <laughs> that's what I'm reading a lot of right now. Um, but there is like a call for, um, you know, read black literature or watch movies by, you know, black directors and things of that nature, but don't just watch, you know, the ones that are about, you know, being angry at the system or like social justice, but like read like a beautiful thing by, yeah. you know, a black person. Cause that's, there's, there, there's more to it. And, you know, that even kind of made me stop and be like, Oh yeah. Like just read like something lovely or, you know, it doesn't have to be about, social justice necessarily um which i oh, think yeah. that's been an important message definitely like even um so like insecure that's like one of my favorite shows right now it's on hbo and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um i've been following Issa Rae's um you know career since she was a, a youtuber but Incredible. just getting to to watch that like you know last sunday just being able to take a break and just like kind of immerse myself in this show that was like these beautiful shots of la and and, and black love and seeing like you know these characters that i've, I've grown to love kind of flourish and see how they've grown and just little incidental things like knowing that everyone who works on the show like understands us and loves us like there's a scene where one of the characters on his bedside table there's a colson whitehead's um, nickel boys like just those like small things that like make you know that like oh this really is about us and for us like they'll see Issa Rae's like bathroom and see like black beauty products and just like that kind of you don't really get to see a lot of things that like speak to us so specifically. And so getting to engage with like art like that and kind of taking that breather, is just like, that was really refreshing to me. Yeah. I, I need to, I need to watch that show. I've heard so many good things. I actually read an article about Issa Rae on like billboard magazine. Mm -hmm. I was just like, so blown away by like what a power head she is. And I, I remember, like, so she's, like, I don't even remember specifically all that she's doing, but, like, she's, like, making her own music label now. Like, she, I think she did music supervision, you know, putting music in shows, has her own show, is, like, having her own label or something. And then in the middle of all of that, she has, like, this, like, the building where she works. She's, like, I want to open a coffee shop, like, in my, in my neighborhood or, like, you know, in a lot of black neighborhoods, there aren't just like coffee shops where you can go. So I'm just going to own and open my own. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a great it model all. because yeah, on the show, she'll, she'll actually speak to the gentrification that's happening in Inglewood, you know, her neighborhood, but then she'll, she'll have an episode where they have like, you know, um, a, a block party, but the vendors that she's actually using in the show are real black businesses. So she's, she's highlighting them while she's, you know, while she has the show going on. And, and that's also something really vital that we can be doing locally. I know that I've been seeing a lot of lists popping up of like um, Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, Black businesses that people can support. So that, that's another way um, that people can kind of show their, their allyship too. Yeah, totally. I went to Dunn Brothers the other day. Incredible. So nice, good. Nice. I was like, wish I knew about this. So much <laughs> um, awesome. So um, you mentioned sort of when you're talking about checking in and checking yourself and thinking about, you know, how diverse is the circle around me and how am I engaging with diverse people around me? You know, just like what I studied in college and, you know, it, it did feel like it was 
this all the time. There's just white people around me all the time, but definitely arts, arts is what has introduced me to, um, more diversity, diverse opinions, thoughts, backgrounds, um, which that, that's something I totally appreciate, appreciate about being active in arts and culture in Iowa city, having such a scene for it is, it's just like a total platform to, to meet people, um, from all different backgrounds who just like love music or love literature, or, you know? So that, oh, that's yeah. something I appreciate about yeah. the arts. It's, it's so wonderful it's having the, um, the writer's workshop here, of course, and getting to go to those readings and then, you know, seeing someone at, you know, head, headline at CBS and then also reading like, oh, here's a review of their, their latest work. And it's like, hey, I just saw them at the, at the gym, you know? So that's just something really, really cool about being in this community. Support comes from Best Case Wines, your Iowa City-based importer and distributor of wines from small family wineries in France, Portugal, Oregon, and California. Focusing on wines that offer an authentic sense of where they're grown while enhancing the pleasure of your daily table. Best Case Wines, making sure your glass is always half full. Look for us at area retailers and restaurants and find us on Facebook. Okay, let's actually, yeah, let's um, talk about, I mentioned that we were going to still do the best show ever oh, yes, portion yes. of this. <laughs> so the question is, and please give us all the juicy details. We want to know everything, <laughs> every little every little piece of it. Um, what is the best live entertainment uh, in Iowa City that you've, that you've ever experienced or live art? Uh, I would have to say um, it was Halloween night 2018 and um, I went to see Kamasi Washington at the Angler and yeah I, I love you know jazz I, I love our local jazz artists too like I I've been loving you know Blake Shaw and Jamon Phillips and some of the local talent here but this um, Kamasi Washington Washington show was just like phenomenal they had you know there was such a, a big band that was involved so many talented musicians it was just like funky it was cool um so I actually so I came to the show after um handing out candy to the trick-or-treaters in my you know neighborhood so I came to the show I um my costume that day was uh, I was a party animal so I just wore all my animal print things like all at once <laughs> and I still had like this bag of candy left from like my house and so I was just like I was giving it to people in the angler like um my friend Katie, of course, who who's uh, Katie from the Angler, she was um, with me too, and so we kind of kicked off the dance party. Um, my husband was in tow, and just like the three of us, just kind of like you know got the party started, and it was just like such an amazing experience of um, being there with like you know people I love, um, handing out candy, just this huge band that was just like blowing my mind. So that was just a really epic night, I would say. Nice. Okay. So was this the situation of the dancing? Cause it's always like <laughs> a situation at the Angler. Cause you know, everyone's like seated and yeah. was there were like, was there, I think I was at this one. I saw from Washington. <laughs> I don't remember it being like Halloween, but it, it must've been 2018. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, was there a moment where like someone sort of broke the ice and like went up and started dancing in the front. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. So I actually just, um, Katie was like, oh yeah, she she was kind of dancing. I was dancing and my husband was dancing. And then it was like, 
yeah, let's get the party started. So instead of kind of going around the side, I just kind of like walked down the middle aisle. and was just like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was just a really good time. And then like there were other people who were seated and they kind of slowly started getting up too. And then, you know, before you know it, by the end of the song, it was like, all right, it's lit. Let's go. <laughs> yes, I. that is like one of my favorite things about the Inkler is like it always takes just a little bit of leadership from like a couple people but then once it gets going it's just like it's unstoppable and that's yeah, showing I, I blame on my i blame on my halloween candy too i think that was part of it too it had like a lot of sugar going on i was like okay, <laughs> spirits were high definitely yes, yes. i do um that that show was really incredible like the musicianship they played their instruments in ways like i've never seen before like the upright basis like was doing some oh, stuff yeah. that just blew my mind um what what do you think is it about their music that really um uplifted the audience that night like what is it what is it about that band that you think really got got everyone's energies all everyone's chakras aligned um there's just something about the way that they were in sync with each other and there's just like this groove that happens um there's uh and it's such a big band so there's so many different like pieces that are happening at any given time um but there's just like it's funky it's experimental uh yeah it's just kind of what we all needed right then i don't know just it just worked this the i remember the there was a female vocalist right Mm-hmm. and you yeah. could tell she was just like so into it like seeing oh, yeah. when you can tell the band is like that into it mm-hmm. and then you just feel it oh yeah that was a yeah they had they had an energy that that really translated what did what did the night look like after you were at did you did you party on to somewhere else like what no I, I partied on into into my bed and had to get up for work <laughs> the next day so <laughs> So that, that was my excitement, like handing out candy to, to the kids, going to the show and then, yeah, going home and getting ready for the next day. But, but that was, that was awesome. I know there were, there were some people who were getting their photos. Ah, and it was Halloween. Cause I, I remember seeing someone in a, um, oh my gosh, what's that TV show that everyone loves? Ah, Game of Thrones, whole Game uh, of Thrones outfit. Yes, yes. He said he had his, his grandmother's <laughs> friend sew together for him. I was like, wow. Nice. But yeah, people were like getting their pictures with Kamasi after and getting their signatures. And it was like. Yeah, that is a, a unique thing about, you know, this community too. Like you can see them, you know, just in the lobby and you can actually like talk to them. And like one great thing um, with Iowa City is like with all those writers, you know, I was talking about like, I'll, I'll buy a book and I can get it signed. And now I have this thing called the Shelf of Fame where I have like all, all the signed books I've gotten while I've been here. And so. Yeah, like where else can you do that? Inspired Media is a proud sponsor of arts, music, culture, and positivity in Northeast Iowa. Since 2007, Inspired has been highlighting the people, destinations, and culture of the Driftless region and beyond. Visit us at www.iloveinspired.com. This podcast is produced by the Inglert Theater in Iowa City and is partially supported by the Friends of the Inglert. Visit inglert.org backslash friends for more information and to donate. Visit us on Instagram for images related to today's podcast. 
Join us each week as we talk about Iowa City's greatest live entertainment events with the people who were there, along with local art news and artist updates.